God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So there's been so much going on, it just makes my head spin. You know, the stuff that's going on on the southern border uh, is one thing. The uh, new new information coming out about um, Biden's reaction uh, or conversation with Ukraine uh, leader Mm -hmm. Zelensky is another it's uh, it's just and and the government's just lying to us. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. That, you know, Kamala Harris is back down in Honduras, and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, she comes back and she says, "Well, it's not going to happen overnight." And I'm like, "Duh, <laughs> it's never going to happen." You mean it's like well, that's just a kick in the can down the road, right? It's like it could happen overnight if you just build a wall, right. build a wall. And people stop flooding through our southern border. But, of course, it's by design. The government is losing to COVID, losing to the southern border, losing on foreign policy on purpose because the globalists see themselves as winning when they lie to the, lie to the middle class workers, whether it's the American middle class or the Canadian truckers or the European middle class that's been gone pretty much a long time ago. Uh, they've lied to the uh, people that actually pay the taxes, that pay their salaries, that work every day, that live on the margins, and they lie to them. And they lie to them uh, so that they can gain power and control and leverage over them while at the same time catering to their corporate sponsorships, their corporate sponsors. They, You know, the politicians ought to be wearing corporate logos like NASCAR. Well, exactly. And you know, the interesting thing about all this is these people who are in power 
like to say that they are the champions of the little guy, but it, and that they and that they are fighting against the you know the big corporations and government to protect people, and that's part of what all the cancel culture is about because they try to use the race card when in actuality they are just trying to own these people, and they and you know they then they say that they care about you know common people or you know so people that are not part of the elites, but they actually with every action they take they more they reestablish the rules that they are the elites that there are bars that prevent other people from becoming part of the club that bars that never let them enter and that's you know what happens with everything that they do they're hypocrites yeah speaking of elites you know george soros comes to mind We're gonna well, talk exactly about that's a, a perfect example but you know 105 congressmen 100 and women 105 congressmen. Oh, my. You can say congressmen. I'm, I mean, this political correctness has gotten a little bit much. Yeah, well, I, last I checked, the word man is is in the word woman. So. Well, and it's also, you know, the word man, every man, is intended to mean mankind. And mankind includes women. Gets a little, right. It gets a little ridiculous. And it doesn't, it doesn't include trans. It doesn't include binary. It doesn't include pronouns. It's Well, it, it, it does include all those people. It's just they're not called those things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. It's yeah. everybody. That's true. That's true. Uh, all the, but, but there are only two sexes. There are only two sexes. On we can completely agree that there are only two sexes, but I am getting a little frustrated with applications that say things like, what do you identify as or what is the sex on your uh, birth certificate? I mean, it, you're either male or female. What do you identify as? Yeah, I, I, I saw a form with that recently, and I'm yeah. like, what? Well, probably, it was probably a medical form. Yeah, I don't know what, what, what it is. Yeah, what maybe because uh, I've been filling out a lot of medical yeah, forms lately. But that, no, because I've seen that I'm on like, medical forms. that is forms. a strange question. It, it's a, well, it's because po- politics has pushed the language and the conversation in that direction. My God, but it's, it's showing up in, like, official documents. Yep. You know, that's the crazy part. You know, 105 congressmen and women uh, traded $290 million in stocks. That is a lot of money. That's a lot. Uh, for uh, What is that? That's uh, $2 million per person? That's a lot of stock trading. That's a lot of, that's very high number for only 105 people. I know 105 people, and I don't think uh, we're spending $290 million in stocks. Yeah. Um, and you wonder if there's some insider trading going on there. You wonder. <laughs> I think there there is. You know, I think that there is. But uh, the Blue State Blues. So Breitbart came out with this article by Joel Pollack. Really I, liked, I like Joel Pollack. Sure. And he says, maybe George Soros should destabilize China for a change. Yeah. Right? You know, he made his claim to fame by uh, basically destabilizing currencies. That was his thing. Right. He did that really well. Um, and he, I think he did it in the U.K. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it was the U.K. or Hungary. But they, they he's banned in his own home state of home country, Hungary, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's banned. Uh, left-wing billionaire George Soros is one of the f- a few supervillains largely absent from my college, uh, my, my college Peter Schweizer's book. That doesn't make any sense. Sense. My colleague, not my college. Oh. My colleague. Uh, okay. I'm not even reading it as you're looking at it, yeah. and I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, my colleague, but that's not how you spell colleague. Yeah. You don't. Maybe spell there it. was a. Maybe there was a typo. E, there's an e a g u e in in colleague. Right. 
Um, and college is spelled C O L L E G E. I'm reading it. It says college. <laughs> okay. Because I went to college, believe it or not. Um, but Peter Schweiger's book, yeah, that's that, that's in the head, that's in the byline. Somebody ought to be over proofreading. Breitbart. They need to fix that. I'm going to go check Breitbart. Yeah. Well, there it is, the article. But says, I'll write to them and tell them they need a new fact checker. Yeah, right? Red Handed, how, how, oh, so Peter Schweiger's book, Red Handed. How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Okay. So Schweitzer exposes the way in which China has bought off much of America's political, cultural, and financial elite, especially on the left, undermining the U.S. from within as it strives to dominate the world. But one powerful member of America's elite is notable for not being owned by China, and that's George Soros. I think China is afraid of George Soros. George I, I Soros think there's a validity man. to that comment. In fact, but he would be dead in two seconds if he tried to pull the crappy pulls in America over on China. He would be dead in two seconds. He would disappear like that swimmer or that tennis player uh, over there. He would disappear real quick. But in fact, to the extent Soros appears in Schweitzer's book, it is one of it, it, has, it is as one of the good guys telling the truth about the threat China poses. So, you know, I've been talking about that for forever. Schweitzer always beats me out with a book, though, right? So, yeah. You've um, got to start writing books. Yeah, i got to start writing more. Um, but, you know, I've been on this kick, too, uh, Leonor. You and I have been talking about it off air a lot. Uh, BlackRock and these financial... Um, Conglomerates that that are basically having the same impact as China. They control the world. Yeah, they control the way we think and what we buy and what we, the whole narrative. They control corporate media, and corporate media is a puppet to BlackRock. Uh, corporate media is a puppet to China. Yeah, and uh, because China knows how to use their 1.5 billion slaves that they call people uh, over there in China. Because they're all spokes in the wheel to Mother China. And guess who's uh, creating an alliance with China is, is uh, Russia. Yeah. No wonder. Yeah. We coerced them to do it. Uh, because of uh, the corruption in Ukraine. The corruption in Ukraine that we have going. You know, I, I've been, uh, and you've not been um, on our show this week, but all week I've been talking about this. And that is... That, you know, you remember the Biden uh, corruption in Ukraine. Yes. And all that, right? You know, the quid pro quo and yeah. withholding a billion dollars and and all the different crimes and, and corruption. Uh, for years, I've been talking about Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Amy Klobuchar and, you know, the dirty politics that's associated with big oil and uh, weaponry and human trafficking and drugs smuggling. Um, and a lot of that goes on in Ukraine. And that's the reason why it was that Burisma had interesting people on their board, like Hunter Biden. or Who Kofor, had no experience to be like, on their board. Like Mitt Romney's conf, confidant, Kofor Black. Yeah. Uh, and a lot, of other, um, a lot of other people. And so what, what was interesting is uh, it's that kind of protection and corruption, that mob-like rule. 
that like um, part of the mafia kind of thing, mm-hmm. working with oligarchs to undermine policy for the good of the people in Ukraine allowed them leverage that they otherwise wouldn't have had because once you get dirty with a corrupt entity, you're now dirty and you're, you're, uh, you're compromised. And in, in politics, in the world of politics, we always say it's, uh, you're insured. You're yeah. insured because you have to now be a puppet. If you don't, we're gonna, we have enough uh, dirt on you to throw you in jail for the rest of your life. So you have to play ball. Otherwise, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up dead in the gutter, whatever. And so Ukraine had the leverage through the black markets and the corruption with high politicians in high places. And that's what gave them the leverage to muscle their way into NATO. And that became the threat that Russia so... uh, so objected to yeah and that that brings us to where we are right now um we are going to take a caller i see that this caller has been calling in for the last few days and we've not really had our call system on but uh, i believe this is julie from pa oh good morning both of you i hope you're you're feeling better and well and and everything is is okay (laughs) it's a day-to-day thing yeah, it always is, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Uh, I noticed that you were uh, talking about BlackRock, and it's it's quite amazing uh, between BlackRock and Vanguard. They <laughs> represent a plateau of ownership that uh, is impenetrated into all the the large and small cap stocks across the equity spectrum. And and um, it's part of a circular ownership that is involved with the big banks. That's very it's a network like spiders, and it, it's very difficult to understand. But everything is interconnected with small uh, smaller fund stocks like State Street and and Capital and right. some of those others. And it's this circular ownership. Where they it, this structure, and it, it's all connected to all the big banks, which is connected to the Federal Reserve, which is connected to all the the uh, monetary banking systems, global monetary systems, and they're all under the umbrella of that banking for international uh, settlement uh, entity, which is located on the border of Switzerland, Germany, and France. And they their office building overlooks all three countries. It's wow, quite glorious! Yeah, and they I suppose they sit up there on their edifice, feeling that they rule the world, and and they all meet together in the in the global banking system along with the Federal Reserve, and they also have a very large uh, a seat at the Olympics. Yeah, and I wonder what I wonder how much weight they carry at the World Economic Forums in Davos. You know, and when you talk about China being considered a developing nation, right? China is considered a developing nation, getting all kinds of benefits from that status. And of course, Trump called it, called it out, and uh, said, you know, that's ridiculous. And and the WEF is connected with the WHO, absolutely, and the UN. 
actually they are they they are underneath this banking for international segment settlement group they actually control everything and it's one of those hidden mysteries of the banking system of our our world that china is also part of that group and and they sit at a very large table and they discuss everything most likely quite equally there's no difference between the people representing the Federal Reserve, which is uh, the top of J.P. Morgan, and then the list goes down from there. And and the Bank of China is right there, and and, and along with all the other banks of England and the EU. Right. Yeah. I mean, this and, this makes this makes the, all that talk over the last five decades of the Rothschilds controlling everything look like small potatoes. Well, they, they, the Rothschilds and the Vatican and the Bank of England own that. So, see, it's all one big circular ownership. And Vanguard and BlackRock rock, sit in the probably the third level there, and then the smaller tr- uh, funds sit in the fourth level, and then then everything trickles down from there. It, and that's how they manipulate the entire world global system <laughs> in a nutshell. Wow, it's quite brilliant. Because then what they do is, then they, 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 when, when they want to launder something, they just pass it through this spectrum of companies, and then it ends up right back at the same place in the same banks. And they just have one thing by another. It's like the, the dog ate the cat, and the cat ate the cow, and, and it's just one, one spectrum after another. And, and all the while, uh, the people working every day, uh, and, uh, Fighting for their civil liberties, uh, it's 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 a it's a game that's being played. It's almost like we're in a petri dish. We're a bunch of ants, and what we really uh, say and do has so little meaning on the grand scheme of things because we're well, so dwarfed by the giants to them, that we're talking we about mean right now. To each other because we are part of God, but to yeah, us, that's true. To them, we're just ants. And they do, couldn't care whether or not, and that's why they have no problem killing people off in our hospitals right now, because they consider us ants. What do they call us, eaters? And we're just a small cog in the wheel that gets them to their, their piles of gold. And, and it's just, it's, it's got to stop. I mean, they create these, these vi- viruses and they create the vaccines which kill the viruses that, well, excuse me, they never kill the virus, they just kill us. And that well, was the whole... You know, Hitler, Hitler always had that vision of blonde hair, blue-eyed, Aryan race, uh, and he wanted to get rid of all the races that he didn't think were pure and good and strong and healthy. And uh, what do you think COVID is? COVID is very much that same filtration system it's like a sieve where only the strong survive and it's almost like a natural uh ingenious thing if you want to get rid of the sick and the elderly uh that's uh, clogging up your healthcare systems and uh stealing all the wealth from the government through what they uh you know what they look at as entitlement programs um uh, like social security programs get rid of them and that, that becomes a huge financial gain for the government. Um, and the way you do you could do that is through a pandemic like COVID. And the way you can do that through more controlled mechanisms is through a vaccine that isn't really a vaccine. Uh, and, and enforcing that jab into everybody's arm uh, 
to control uh, to control future pandemics uh, because that's what I think might be going on as well is is there seems to be this weird demand like right now hospital workers once again because of the SCOTUS failures uh, the hospital workers once again are faced with uh, hard choices as to whether to get the jab and violate their beliefs to keep their job and put food on their table well the hidden mystery about the vaccine which I've been discovering is this see there's different elements to the vaccine there's the fluid and there's the the messenger RNA material that we 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 know that that's in there because that's what everybody's talking about. But the hidden mystery is, and what is most difficult to understand, is the nano element of the technology that has been inserted into the vaccine. And this is the most dangerous part of because I started studying the nano industry. And and this has been growing and blossoming since about 1985, and for about 15 years they they uh, worked on it, trying to figure out an application to use it. They they studied the cancer area, and then then somebody they were sitting around the table. Well, let's try the vaccines. Well, and but uh, who funded it? was of course all the big boys all all that we know and it was part of their little dream with all their high-tech money and they put it into a high a nano industry that involves about 650 country companies excuse me and and uh, who funded those were funded once again in a network system a cascade network system by our department of navy and that bill was signed in 1999 by our dear Bill Clinton. And that's when they went to work, working on this nano industry. And it's the, the size of these molecules are one one billionth of a meter. Now, how can we even conceive of that amount? It's such a small concept. It's like an Area 51 concept because, and apparently they've been working on this industry since they had the concept. They all sat around and dreamed of it when they were in college, I suppose, doing their, their hallucinogenics in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And then when they finally got money in the tech industry, oh boy, they went from there. They just continued it with their anti-God spectrum and getting into the creations of the universe because you're dealing at a level that's so small. You can't even begin to fathom it as a normal person. And as a normal person, you read this in the book and you pass right over and say, boy, that seems like gobbledygook. Well, it wasn't gobbledygook to these guys because what they did was they created a nano-robotic system with microboards that self-replicate and self-assemble. And you say, how is that possible? Well, they've been doing it. And I, I found all the documents and all the, the, the articles and everything. And they, it started in the 1990s and it blossomed in 1995. And then when it really, they, they realized, oh my God, this is, this is, this is dangerous stuff. We have to keep this, this is hidden material. And then that's when the Department of Navy took it over. And they are the ones that own all the patents. And then in December, they tried to cover their tracks, which is how they do it. Uh, they arrested that guy, Lieber. 
and he was part of the ones that had the patents just just this recent December and say oh then you could see it's a setup just like Jeffrey Epstein and and it, because he's part of a long list of these patents and where does that all lead back to leads back to Harvard and 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 all the and MIT and all those entities around there they they that was the hub of this nano industry wow. and then of course the spectrum of all these companies went right back all across the world and it leads to the Bank of England and 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 Vanguard BlackRock but when they first started and before COVID they were all mostly private companies but then I started seeing what they did was after COVID they started to cover their tracks because all these nanoparticles go in and and they're self-assembling nano robots and this is what's so dangerous and it contains gold particles it can as that's the battery and 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 then it contains these small microboards and then it contains uh the graphene oxide that's the uh transmitter and and they all self-assemble in in once they're in the body and the, the way that they're delivered in, into the body this is such an unbelievable uh, technology and you say oh my god how is this possible because i i that's exactly how i look at it and say oh my god who thought about this stuff and then what they do is it was so brilliant they created a delivery system that was encapsulated in a gelatin uh shell a polymer gelatin shell that dissolved so it was basically the same concept where they erased their tracks it would dissolve in the body but the problem is the graphene oxide doesn't dissolve and then it floats through the system like a razor blade and and in that whole board if it's allowed to self assemble and it can poison you you and you'll wow. see all the different wow, side totally. effects and oh it, it makes you sick doesn't it yeah. and and this is what people don't understand the the experts get on and they've never even really studied the nanotechnology no. part of this no. vaccine it, and it's something no. so forbidden and they, they keep talking about the messenger RNA. That's not the bioweapon. The bioweapon was funded by a department. I, I even found the exact contract number that Bill signed. He signed it in 1999, right during his impeachment. And, and, uh, they, oh, they, they threaded it through right after, right before he left office, most likely. Wow. Hey, well, listen, Julie, that is amazing stuff. And we oh, need to yeah, look I'm into sorry. that I, even I didn't further. mean to uh, monopolize no, or take that's any okay. time. That's okay. I just wanted to share this with you yeah. so you understand what we're dealing with. And 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 I know Leonora, this probably scares the you to death, thinking that this is in your body, and this is why we're trying. We seem psychotic when we're trying to warn people, but and and doctors, and they didn't find this out until um, a South Korean, an American. And finally, when they threatened Mike Lindell to shut off his banks, the day before, Stu Peters came on with with a uh, French scientist who presented these elements, but he didn't know what they were. Well, I went to work the last two weeks. I've been studying like it, like, and I figured out the whole thing. Wow! And 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 it, so it, I I know it makes you sick. And, and well, you know, this is what happens when the people running the world. Uh, were the LSD generation, the 60s, <laughs> because those are the people that are running the world right now, and they were That's taking right. a lot of LSD back in the 60s, and this they is the kind of imagination that they have. But uh, yes. thank you for that. 
Um, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to move along, though. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm but, sorry. I didn't mean it all. No, no, no. But I just wanted people yeah. to understand because they were, they're dealing in yeah. a world that that, yeah. that we have not yet grasped, and Absolutely. they've kept it classified. Oh, I definitely and then believe it's funded by our own government, and yeah. they're this is now killing the world. Absolutely, I definitely believe there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. Well, yeah. thank you, Julie. I'm sorry. And have a yep, yep. Take care. Have a, yep. all right. Take care. All right, you know, speaking of 1999 and Bill Clinton, right? Yes. Um, well, we're seeing the last of the SCOTUS. Exactly. You uh, know, I was uh, with um, Stephen Breyer retiring. He was uh, Bill Clinton's nominee. That means that we have nobody from the Clinton presidency on the Supreme Court right now, or we won't after Breyer, Breyer retires, Justice Breyer retires. We still have, of course, Clarence Thomas, who has the longest legacy now because he was appointed by George Herbert Walker Bush. So it's 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 very so you know aside from Justice Thomas we have we will now have a court that includes nominees from George um W Bush and uh President Barack Obama and then also of course Donald Trump and then and then whoever President Biden puts on. So it's you know again we see you know generational changes happening. Well you knew this was going to happen folks but Bitcoin is under attack now from the Biden administration. I'm not surprised. So the Biden administration is preparing executive action. Executive action? What's that? Oh, executive action is when you don't go through Congress. <laughs> well, executive action is when you use the executive branch and you take advantage of the executive authority to to push your agenda, which, you know, a president, that is part of his prerogative. But, yes, it is a way to short-circuit Congress. And President Obama was famous for all of his executive orders. So according to Barron's... And memos, yeah. Yeah, according to Barron's... Um, it says White House wants crypto rules as a matter of national security. It says U.S. feds to regulate digital assets such as Bitcoin. So uh, it's a matter of national security now to get involved with regulating. You know, they're going to ruin the Internet with their censorship and controls, right? Yeah. And they're going to ruin uh, the last frontier of uh, financial independence. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you have to walk a fine line because, you know, we have financial independence. We also have innovation. And, you know, somebody I actually grew up with has become a little bit famous with uh, the whole Bitcoin world. And, you know, I think about, and I've been seeing a lot of his posts and I think a lot about this issue because who's he? A, a Chris, uh, Christopher Giancarlo, um, but uh, Bitcoin dad. And so, so at any event, what I was going to say is, and he's get he gets a lot of buzz. And um, when I say I grew up with him, we went to the same school. But uh, but basically, you see a lot, and he's been out in the media a lot um, talking about Bitcoin. But he's not the only one. There's loads of people that are writing about this topic, and it's becoming more prominent. It's something that we're talking about, you know, on a daily basis, and it's innovative. And I think that's important to not squelch innovation. But I get the security concerns, and you know when. In terms of regulation, we need to be looking at it where you're walking that delicate tightrope where you don't squelch innovation, but you still protect people from an uh, information technology security perspective. You know, you don't want people losing all their 
money in whatever form that it's in. So, you know, so there is a balance. Yeah, but do we really need the government to protect us, or shouldn't, shouldn't we take that risk on ourselves? Well, I think this is – well, I, the same I, thing, I, I agree say the same with, thing with COVID. I agree with you that we shouldn't have the government stepping in. We need a certain amount of regulation – but you can't overregulate, and that's the same thing with banking industries, and the same thing with um, you know our everyday life, like COVID, as you were saying. I think you know there there needs to be a certain amount of practice, a certain amount of what's considered uh, pro protective, and also what's just considered good manners. But then it gets to the point where you you overregulate, you cause problems, and you're creating a society in which. People aren't communicating, and it's particularly dangerous for our children. And, and of all people, um, Gola DeHaan, who is an actress, uh, you know, who I feel I've enjoyed her work over the years, but she put out an op-ed in uh, USA Today where she really talked a lot about the mental health of yeah, children. Yeah, that's a great. I recommend everybody uh, read that essay. What did she say? What was the main takeaway? Well, from well, that? well, the main takeaway is that we've got children out there that are basically afraid to breathe the air around them and she made an yeah. uh, she made a parallel between you know, some of the things that were, were going on in the 50s when she was a child when they became started to become a, you know, afraid of you know, some of the military warfare, et cetera, and the testing that was going on. And you don't want children to become so frightened that they're afraid to, to play with another child. And I think that is what is happening. Don't get me wrong. The disease is real. I'm not, I'm not a COVID denier. But there is a certain point in which we, we've gone off the rails with this. And, and the worst thing for our children is keeping them at home. Do people think that people are really safer in their homes where they could be, as we've been saying for two years, they could be in their own Petri dish? It's like, you know, it's like just sitting in a dirty well, check bathtub. This, check this. Denmark now has joined England and Ireland in removing all COVID restrictions and going back to complete normalcy. Sweden's been doing it. Yeah. Uh, and their numbers look really good. Uh, they're looking at the exact same COVID data as our experts. Shows you how our COVID restrictions are total cosmetic theater. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the thing that I always thought was going to uh, set make it impossible for someone like Fauci to pull off what he pulled off. But then what happened was you saw all these countries in compliance with one central authority, which was the WHO. Uh, Sweden bucked the system, and that was hard to explain for a lot of people. Just like when Joe Rogan comes out and speaks, right? Joe Rogan speaks... And he talks about COVID and he talks about these things. And now he wants to get banned. They want to ban him on Spotify, right? Right. Which, by the way, we're going to be trying to get on Spotify this year. So stay tuned for that. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. Spotify, uh, Neil Young, for example, said, I'm not going to uh, play my music on Spotify. I'm not going to allow my music on Spotify if you don't get rid of Joe Rogan. I mean, there's the hippie guy that's supposed to be about free speech and civil rights and civil liberties saying that Joe Rogan needs to be fired and terminated for his speech. And kudos to Spotify for standing up for Joe Rogan. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm switching my music choice to Spotify. I've never understood how it works. 
Uh, I um, just not been real social media oriented yeah. guy. I know it's a bit of a sharing kind of um, a platform for music, and uh, I I've think had, it also identifies like similar to with uh, the, you, the other one that you use. Yeah, uh, it's more community driven. But it's community could, driven. You could actually meet people that like the music you like and stuff like that. I know people um, who like it. Yeah, I know people. Everybody loves it. I've never understood it really because I'm not big on social media in terms of that but um, I just don't like social media particularly um, you know, <laughs> it's but, become a necessary evil yeah well I do it for the show and I do it for business but <clears throat> um, here's the thing I, you know I've had Amazon music I've had Apple music I've had you know uh, YouTube music I, I've had a lot of different music channels and that that is an interesting topic in and of itself how we've all become subscription-based. Yeah. We don't own a car because we take a Lyft or a Uber. So everybody, right? everybody's a rock star we, who goes around in a Lyft or don't Uber. Own a, we don't own a CD or an album uh, because we just release the music. We subscribe to a bank of music. And so we no longer are these indivi- these individuals that want to own things. Well, and I think... And po- it changes the psychology of who we are in terms of territorial space. And how we live our lives and behave. It also because it's changes not mine, the, it's not yours, it's ours. And that's that one world globalist kind of perspective. It changes the way we perceive things, but it also changes our commitment to things. If yes. we can ju- if we can just um, lease something all the time, and this is not an attack on people who rent versus own homes. Or, it's not the same thing. This is basically um, the idea that we are out there saying, okay, I can listen to this music here or i can watch this film here whereas before you might have to make a commitment to actually buy the album or make a commitment to yeah. buy the book and, oh, and, and the things you would learn about the uh repertoire of music that the artist put out you would uh listen to the whole album and say i only like three songs but i'm now but we heard, only buy those three songs but now we only buy those ho- three and we get songs. our news the same way too through social media we get our news from like-minded thinkers right Rather than getting our news from Walter Cronkite. But the people who sell subscriptions have figured some of this out, and they basically have said, you know, you get a certain amount for free, and if you want more, you got to buy the whole enchilada. And and, I, and in psychologically, I think that's good in many ways. Everything shouldn't be for free. Well, but here's the thing. Denmark joins England and Ireland in removing all COVID restrictions. So if their numbers don't spike, then what's Fauci going to say? How do you explain this, Fauci? How do you explain the co- and you know one can take it a little further and say, hey, what about the college football when all those college kids were running around with their shirts off with no masks on, yeah. cheering their teams on in your face, saying, you know, uh, go Brandon or f Joe Biden, right? <laughs> Still, um, the funniest thing <clears throat> that Joe Biden has no idea what this means. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and the thing is is that there was no spike associated with that. You didn't see any spikes. And yet the universities were still doing the mandates. And, you know, it's it's like we've come all this way. And it's the same people that are pushing these lies on COVID. Masks don't work. Uh, but they say you have to wear a mask. Uh, you have to, you know, there's still places where you have to wear a mask. And there's these vaccine passports I'm surprised there hasn't been more mask uh, passport fraud. Like, I don't know why I haven't seen, you know, people that say, okay, we have forged uh, 
artificial COVID cards. I've seen your card. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could reproduce that card in two seconds. I know. Just put a little sticker, get a bunch of stickers, put them on there with yeah. code numbers. I mean, <clears throat> I'm telling you, folks, I don't know why we don't fight back. If they're going to lie to us and cheat us and steal from us, and why are we not? Why are we playing with by the rules? Is my question. When you when you get in the mud with a bunch of disgusting mudslingers, uh, basically people like Nancy Pelosi, um, why are we playing by the the rules they set for us? Because those rules are keeping us boxed in cages. I don't know why we just don't come out with counterfeit vaccine passports and just say, yeah, which one's real and which one's not. I mean, really, that would put an end to it. That would put an end to it because they don't have the system in place to actually enforce this stuff. The maitre d' at that local restaurant is not going to have a computerized system. They're just going to say, show me your card, and you show them a card. It's a stupid card. It's a stupid concept, but it's a gateway to social credit score systems. I don't know why we're not playing fast and loose with, with uh, hardball and right back in their faces with that. What was that? I think uh, that girl, you know, that girl okay. with the with the name that begins yeah. with an A and ends with an A. I don't know she, what that was. She heard you. <laughs> Charlie Kirk says, uh, why hasn't the White House released the full unedited transcript of the phone call between Joe Biden and the president of Ukraine? I seem to remember Democrats caring about phone calls with Ukraine presidents. What changed? Of course, the news is... He had a very odd and weird phone call with Zelensky that basically said, you're a goner. You're basically going to get bombed and there's nothing we can do about it, is what he kind of said. And he also said, another presser, he said, there's not much we could do to stop Russia, but we could make it really painful for them if they do it. So it was basically, uh, we've already allowed this to go so far down it's sort of like it's sort of like exactly the same playbook as allowing all these people to come through our southern border you know and Kamala Harris is down there in Honduras saying yeah I met with him it's not going to happen overnight it's like put a wall up it happens overnight what are you talking about right yeah it's ridiculous yep you're lying to us (laughs) and Kamala Harris right and, um, you know, the, so the thing is, is that they're going to let enough people in to say, well, well, now we have too many people. Right, Leonor? Yeah. We have too many people and we, we, we can't put them back. We can't put the genie back at the bottle. bottle right? We agree it was a mistake, but uh, we're going to have to give amnesty to, you know, 80 million people that we've just allowed into our country. Sorry. You know, it's not going to be that thing. And meanwhile, next election, we're going to be like, huh. How did Georgia, Florida, and Texas turn blue all of a sudden? Oh, that's that's weird. You know, how did Missouri become a blue state? You know, how did Pennsylvania, how did the Democrats get Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan back to their blue wall again? How did that happen? You know, all these questions. It's like, well, because the Democrat policies were just stronger and people (laughs) liked them better. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous, right? Right. It's it's it absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous, and we're going to sit there scratching our head, like, how did that happen? 
It's like that happened because of the open borders that's been going on for the last 20 years. And how do we lose that argument about whether or not you have to check the box that says whether you're a citizen or not on your census report? You shouldn't even even be getting a census report if you're not a citizen. I mean, to me, it doesn't make any sense. absolutely absurd. And then, you know, the same people that are lying to us about COVID, the same people that are lying to us about Nord Stream 2 and Keystone Pipeline are also lying to us about the supply chain. I put up something really cool. Uh, It's related to um, uh, Sundance, uh, Last Refuge, Conservative Treehouse. And he put up a really good uh, threaded uh, tweet uh, related to supply chains. And we're going to talk about that uh, in a moment. But right now, we're going to take John. John, uh, you're on the air. Hi, Scott Leonora. Hey, John. Okay? Hey, um, yeah. Good. So, you know, you mentioned the illegal immigration problem. And it's like going broke. What do they say? You go broke a little bit at a time and then really, really fast. And the immigration system is similar. If you violate the concept of citizenship a little bit at a time, so as to be generous and, oh, you don't want to keep this person out, you know, be, be a better person. They may appeal to your religious instinct. They may appeal to the fact that you're wealthy and you can afford it. And a little bit, a little bit, that's how they slowly the system and diminish respect for our immigration laws. That's, you notice they, they call them illegal migrants. They are migrants. They don't even call them illegal aliens, which is the term the Constitution uses. Right. And that has gone down bit by bit to the point where now you can't even conceive of sending people back wholesale. I would, and actually Eisenhower did in the 50s, because some of them had uh, leached up into um, Texas uh, during World War II and I guess right after there. And, um, and that, that goes back to another matter. But, but, uh, and they, they sent back, I think, a million out of the three million that were there. Maybe it was three million they sent back. They sent back a ton because they still had that respect for immigration laws. At this point, it's eroded in the minds of Americans, and we don't have the stones to take these people back. Like I say, there are some of us who do, because you have to enforce it. But then what they do, then what do you do? You attack the immigration, I'm sorry, the voting laws, and make it so loose that a lot of these people, not all, but will vote and say, well, they're just as American as you. And that's ludicrous. Of course they're not just as American as you and I. They don't have the same knowledge of the culture, the history. How could they? I wouldn't expect them to. But they're going to want to kind of ram through some votes. And in a close election, that can make the difference. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm saying. And and it's happening right before our eyes. And, you know, I said to Leonora, I said, we, you know, Leonora and I are from New York and then Philadelphia. And now we're in D.C. And you take a look at uh, all of our, you know, we have so many liberal friends because those are such liberal cities. But I say shame on them. These are smart people. These are highly educated people that happen to be liberal. And I don't understand it. That You know, you could just open your eyes and look and just see what's right in front of you. And that cops are being killed in the streets by these illegal uh, aliens, not migrants. And um, the open borders, and they're being flown all over the country. Uh, the inflation that's going on, the supply chain problems that we're having, the foreign policy that's going down the tubes, the corruption that's obviously in place with the uh, insider trading among our congressmen. We've talked about all that today. You know, the thing is, is that they just sit there and they keep on voting. And a lot of these people actually move to Florida from from the Northeast or 
they move from California to Texas and they bring their politics with them. And I think it's just absolutely insane. And I say, well, I say blame them. Blame your liberal, these liberal friends that you are neighbors with and you're friends with. And look them in the eye and say, shame on you. Shame on you for uh, selling out your country. Yeah, well, look, that's, don't get me started on that. That drives me up a wall. However, some argue that that uh, California transplants helped Ted Cruz significantly in his election because they were more likely to be uh, conservatives and really upset of, at what they left. I do think there's a lot of what you say out of New Yorkers, uh, from Manhattanites and New York City type people who come down to the east coast of Florida, down to southeast Florida, down to Broward. Right. I do think there's a lot of that there. And I think the east coasters have some of those idiotic ideas about this. I, I actually don't respect those people as much intellectually as you do. I, I tend to think a lot of these people, a lot of them tend to be wordsmiths, meaning they work in the, you know, the word industries. And they tend to be unskilled people. I mean, talk about the skilled trades. That's These a people, great point. Excellent hey, point. That's what I've noticed anyway. I tend to find more inherent conservatism in engineers and even in physicians, although the AMA's gone way, way left. So I, I find there's a, certain, there's a certain type of person who does things like that. If, if I could just jump on the thing with Biden and Ukraine, I, you know, I don't criticize them for telling the Ukrainians what they, hey, we're not there, because the Russians know this. America could not resist a Russian invasion in Ukraine. We just get guys killed, and I think it would be it could be a bloodbath for us. So, the mistake was making these these um, these these offerings of protection. I'm sort of totally the opposite on this in the sense that actually it was Lenin who handed uh, Donetsk and Luhansk, you know, the Donbas, to Ukraine. That the whole eastern strip of Ukraine where the issue comes in. And the Crimea was handed over by Pushta, but these were more like, well, this is your territory now kind of thing. It wasn't ethnically ever Ukrainian, which is a whole other issue. What's the ethnic Ukrainian? And so what, what the, that, that's where the, the sort of the strife comes in. And ultimately, the land goes with the people. I think that's where one way or the other, I think Russia ends up with that, in, in part because they want those, that population back, in part to get a land bridge in Crimea, like two ways to get there. And I think one way or the other, the U.S. is going to think in terms of its world authority, its, its military uh, ability to express military power, and they're going to get it back. And, and just, I mean, when I hear this is going to be a world crisis, why? You know this, and I won't go off for a long time, but we, we told them we wouldn't advance eastward in NATO. We have done so steadily. Yeah. What we, we broke our word. If we yes. hadn't done that, I don't see Russia as being an aggressive power. It's no. very clear from what I observe, and I observe this closely, Putin wants to rebuild their population and their economic power. And they are one of the more self-sufficient nations on Earth. And so there's a burgeoning economy there, and the stock market's on sale right now. But, but if we hadn't done that, I don't think we'd have these problems with them. Right, and you know how they did it? Yeah. So many instances. And you know how they politically Sorry. achieved that success, Ukraine? They, they achieved that through corruption. Paying off politicians for assurances. Well, twenty fourteen. Which I mean, the Russians are up. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Ukraine, actually manipulating NATO and Western politicians oh, to get them to green light themselves closer and closer and closer to becoming 
uh, part of NATO and, uh, and, and, and a Western alliance that posed a, a serious threat to Mother Russia. And that's yeah, why Russia I'm now is, is in a place where they feel they need to uh, preemptively defend themselves, preemptively, uh, before this problem gets too big. Because, you know, we would have the same political posture if Russia was doing the same thing in, in, in Cuba. Or Mexico. Exactly. Absolutely. You're right. That's right. So, yeah, so on that one, and, and remember, this all started in 2014 when the U.S. with Victoria Nuland helped engineer a coup of the elected president there. Yes. Uh, Yanukovych, I believe. Yes. And the only other, the other quick thing I'll make is, you know, we talk about expressing, you know, uh, extending American power into Europe and this and that. We're going to go with China. We've got, so, what, what gets me is we have all these hamstringing, all these efforts to hamstring our own economy. This is what drives me crazy, and you talked about it before, inflation. What I've read is this, that the U.S. dollar, and I, I can't verify this, I think Peter Schiff, the economist, was saying this, that the U.S. dollar, if you had a dollar in, in 1800, that it was worth $2 by 1900. Why? Well, there was very, very little government, no income tax. You had uh, great innovations in industry. That's really what it did. It, it, it was just a lot of economic growth and a lot of economic innovation, and it engineering innovation, whether it be uh, uh, steamboats, whether it be uh, electric, uh, electricity, the Morse code, all those things made things more efficient. And we had a much better economy. Well, we had a much more uh, strong dollar 100 years later. But again, we had a very small government. And what have we seen then, since then? What, what, what is a dollar from, let's say, the time of the Federal Reserve worth today? I think it's about three cents. Yeah. And it was set up to protect the dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, what, what has gone up? What has gone up? Education, yeah. healthcare. Look at what all these have gone up. What yeah. is government most involved in? Yeah, just those things. I mean, you see the pattern. Yes, wherever they, whatever they touch, turns to crap. <laughs> well, it's the reverse Midas effect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's all know about it's control. Time, but... The government's getting stronger as the people are getting weaker and. We have to we have to fight back before it's too late. Hey, John, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you. All right, take have care. Have a great weekend. Take care. You too. All right. Well, um, wow, that time flies when you're having fun. Um, we're about to run out of time here, but uh, Leonora, any final thoughts about today's show and what what was uh, what's floating through your mind? Well, I'm I'm thinking a lot about the Supreme Court justice nominees. I'm you know, oh, and yeah. this well, is an opportunity be, be, for Biden to be a stop. Black woman. Well, it's going to be a black woman because he's made that commitment, just as George Herbert Walker Bush right. made, a made a commitment to make a black man. But uh, but still, uh, this is just a chance for Biden to get people off of uh, the things that they're focused on, which is By inflation. Yeah, I want to say this, that by doing this whole thing with a you know black woman um, or a pure person of color, uh, basically what that does is in an election year, it's going to get a couple of Republicans to not want to push the envelope. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to get a more radically left-wing progressive than they otherwise would have gotten by playing this race card because people are going to be afraid to be called a racist. So they're going to be able to, and you know, and one can make the argument that Clarence Thomas was a little further to the right because of the same reason. Yeah, I can um, agree with that. So in any case, they're using this as a weapon to try to get more 
uh, of their thinking in the, um, in the SCOTUS. Well, be sure to check out scottadamshow.com. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Right